Good evening, good evening. Hi. Um, welcome, everyone. Uh, anyone here for the first time tonight? Any newcomers? Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. We, we like visitors, um, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, um, gosh, I'm really excited about tonight. Um, you know, we get to, we, we're talking about Jesus. There is no better topic for us to talk about. I know you're supposed to talk about him when you're in church, um, but we are most specifically talking about Jesus tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the name of Jesus. Um, I'm going to have Grace come up in a second to, to read something for us. Um, Giselle, see, I will have that mic ready. Um, so, Kath talked about Richard coming again. I know, I know we're talking about, about him a lot. Um, I, I just want to add my encouragement. Even, even as Taylor students and IWU students, I'm, I'm not as familiar with IWU, um, but it's so seldom that we get someone who comes into our campus who truly walks with the Spirit of God. And I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean that in a way that's um, you know, demeaning in any way, just, but someone who actually explicitly operates in the gifts of the Spirit. That, that makes it actually their mission in life, is to release people into their gifts. And it's, it's something that I've seen him do over and over again. This is his, his passion. His passion is, is he, you know, he's, he's very gifted prophetically, he's very gifted in words of knowledge. Um, he sees people get healed, but his passion is seeing people come alive to the Spirit, to everyone's role with the Spirit. He's not one of these, I'm, I'm at the front sort of guys doing stuff. He likes to empower. So if you've never seen someone, you know, I still meet students who have never heard someone speaking in tongues, you know, which is like the most basic spiritual gift. Um, a, a lot of you, I'm sure, have never seen someone actually operate in really detailed gifts of words of knowledge or being with someone who can actually release the spirit. So, so please come. Um, Giselle wanted me to mention one thing because, like me, she grew up pretty religious. Um, hey, Giselle, yeah. And, um, you know, the first time I went to get prayer from someone I knew was very prophetic, um, I was told they, they would tell me what, what God's heart was towards me. And I was terrified because all I thought of was the things that I did wrong. And that's what I thought God would have to say to me. Um, I've known Richard for 20-something years. I've never heard him give a negative word about anyone, not in public. He will tell you what the Lord thinks in private if there's healing to be had. But he will only speak life. I remember the, the first time I met him, Kath and I were students uh, in a little church. It wasn't actually his church. He was just visiting us. And a little group of like 30 people, not used to the spiritual gifts at all. One of those churches that believes in the Holy Spirit, but... Never actually seen him do anything, you know. Um, and Richard comes in and he, he preaches for like five minutes. And he says, like, instead of me just preaching, let me just show you that the Lord is real, okay, and the Spirit is real. Um, and, he just, and he just pointed to a girl in the, in the, in the pew, who's a really close friend of mine and Kath. And he said, you're studying medicine, aren't you? And, and then everyone in the room just... It was such a small thing, but everyone knew that she was studying medicine, and they, because we all knew each other really well. And then he started to speak life to her. 
And if you knew her well, you, knew, you would know that she was uh, about to drop out or close to dropping out of medical school because she couldn't handle blood. And her whole future, her whole calling was falling apart. And the Lord spoke life to her and called her and, and reminded her what the Lord had for her. He had no idea about anything. He had never met her at all. I tell you, after that first person, everyone was like, okay, me now. Okay. <laughs> what are you doing, Lord? Can I be next, please? Um, so be expectant, okay? Um, and so, you know, we, our series is, is, is naturally supernatural. Um, after Richard's visit, we're, we're going to get more practical, I promise. Okay, we're going to, like, we'll do some more. Actually, how do we do this every day, okay, on the street, at work, whatever, okay? I know this is more foundational these last three weeks. Um, and, and that's really because, I, as, I, as I said the last two weeks, there is... There's scripture that I really want us to internalize, not just to acknowledge, but to believe. Okay, so we're pressing into that a little bit more. But we're really pressing into the name of Jesus tonight. All right? This one who we follow, this one who we serve, this one who calls us to God and to spread his kingdom. So let me just remind us of three from John 14, 15, and 16. These are all from Jesus. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In 15, he says, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And in 16, most assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, that's just a, a smattering. There's so many other scriptures where Jesus commands his disciples to do things in his name. And we shouldn't have any doubt that he gives us this right. He gives us this right to do things in his name. The Great Commission is to be done in his name. So, Grace, can you come up? I've just asked, I just want, I've asked Grace, because I know you get, guys get tired of my voice, and half of you can't understand me. Um, so, I've just asked Grace, just so we don't miss this. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry about the scripture references, there's too many. She's just going to read them. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. He is our Apostle and High Priest. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Bridegroom of his church. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the bright and morning star. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the way, the truth, and the light. He is the Christ. He is, I am. We worship an awesome God. And this is the one who says, do things in my name, ask in my name. Remember these two scriptures as well, John 1.12 and John 14.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, 
to those who believe in his name. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. We're told to speak in his name, to ask in his name, and we're told to believe in him. We're told in Ephesians that he is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He is above all things. If you um, study Jewish law, or if you, you know, study um, the Old Testament in detail, you will know that in the Jewish culture, if someone was sent in the name of another they were effectively were that person. So when Jesus is saying, go in my name, he is literally saying, go as me. Go as my ambassador. Go as a representative of my kingdom. Go as me. You represent me. Not a shallow, broken, sinful person. You are going as me. You're going in my name. What's interesting, if we look at Scripture, I know you guys have heard this before, but it's worth remembering. There's a curious thing about Scripture, because Jesus says, go and ask it. But when we read Scripture, we actually really seldom finding the disciples asking for anything. What they appear to have done is internalize the reality of the power of Jesus' name through faith. When Jesus says to believe, they seem to have internalized it. So when we get to the very first miracle... Let's read Acts 3. I've got a lot to get through tonight, guys. I'm going to do my best, okay? Uh, But Acts 3, I want us to read this. It's such a beautiful scripture. But This is the first post-Jesus miracle. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's a crazy miracle. 100% complete healing. Don't lose sight of the fact that if you have never walked before, you have no muscles, you have no coordination, you have no tone. He is completely healed, enough that he could actually walk and leap. Fully restored. Unbelievable. Peter doesn't ask Jesus to do anything. Do you notice that? He doesn't ask the man if he has faith. You notice that? He just says, what I have, I give you. And he takes him by the hand. 
And he later in, in, that, in that scripture, he says, it is faith in Jesus, it is faith in the name of Jesus that healed this man. That's what he had to give because he believed. There's no special qualification. Every single person in this room can meet that qualification. I believe. I have faith. You didn't have to walk with Jesus. We see it again, and I, you know, there's something I could choose from. Um, but we see it with Paul as well. When Paul casts out the demonic spirit from the woman who's following him around and prophesying, he doesn't turn around and say, please, Jesus, will you stop this? Jesus, in your name, if it's your will. No. He just, in Jesus' name, rebukes the spirit, and it comes out. The power in him, the belief in him, the faith in him, the relationship that he has with Jesus, his knowledge of the Spirit and what the Spirit is doing, he can just command it. And so it's also fascinating to me, going back to the first one in Acts, in case you didn't pick this up. You notice in Acts we have Pentecost, pretty cool, thousands of people come to God. Okay? Then there's this real curiosity that they are allowed to be in Jerusalem and to speak in groups. And the religious leaders don't pay them any attention. It's only when someone is healed that Peter and John are called in before the religious leaders. And their question is, by whose name did you do this work? They can tolerate a couple of crazy fishermen running around claiming someone rose from the dead. Well, actually, probably a couple of thousand people now. What they can't tolerate is that power has been displayed. That power has been used. And if power has been used, then power has to come through someone's name. And that's their question. Whose name? Who did this? Because you're a fisherman. And it's Jesus. It's faith in his name that heals. So again, the, 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 the question that we, we come back to as we read these promises and we, re, we read miracles, and you know, Tyler, you testified just talking about the song, you know, a lot of our lives, we've had disappointments and we've had challenges and we might ask ourselves, like, why? Why don't I see this? And that is a reality, and this is not a sermon on what to do in that case. <laughs> but we always, have, we always have a choice. And that's, that's not a bad question to ask ourselves. Okay? It's, it's a bad question to ask if we're comparing ourselves to others or if we're just getting stuck in disappointment but if we're asking that question because we actually believe that there's more and we want Jesus to reveal more to us, it's a good question to ask. And it's a question to lead us into crying out to the Lord, will you show me? Will you show me more? Because I read this scripture and I believe it's true and I need it to be true for me in my life. And I want to see it. And that needs to be a cry of our heart to the Lord. Jesus delegated his authority to us. He gives us permission to use his name. Look at Matthew 28, for example. I don't have time to do it, but Matthew 28 is a good one to look at. And, you know, I think one of the most important lessons that I've, that I've had to learn as a Christian, um, it's not just faith and, and belief in Jesus. It's in this idea that he actually delegates authority to us. There are so many times when I meet with people to pray because they're struggling with something, and I love doing that. 
There are so many times when they tell me the problem and, and, and I'm about to pray and I hear the Lord say, just tell them to pray. They have authority. Tell them to use that authority. I've already given them what they need. But they actually have to speak because my spirit is in them. And I've seen the Lord in His, in his grace and His mercy take so many challenges in people's lives and use them to teach them about the power that they actually have and the strength that they have. You know, so for example, a simple thing, if, if, you, if you're struggling to sleep and, and, you, and you're anxious or, you, or you're feeling agitated, stop asking Jesus to take it away. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is this thing that is agitating me? Because you promised me peace. So I know this is not you. And listen. And if he says it's a spirit of agitation, or it's a curse against you, or something, then bind that thing up in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit. I bind that attack. I bind that anxiety. In Jesus' name, because you have the right to use it, because he says you can. Try it and see. Okay. We have authority to speak in his name. I, I know I've had so many conversations with people that have been in churches. Um, you know, as we think about these powerful promises. And Bill could give 15 sermons on how theologians wrap their heads around these things um, in the wrong way. But, you know, we do have whole theological schools that will tell us that Jesus only meant these words for his disciples, or that because we now have Scripture, Jesus doesn't move in the supernatural in the way that he does in Scripture. Um, maybe we just think he's exaggerating. The, th the thing is that there's nothing in Scripture, there's nothing in the history of the early church that tells us that we don't have the right to claim his name, faith in his name, authority in his name, and to see darkness bend to his name. So again, we have this choice. Will we actually believe Jesus' words? His kingdom is supernatural. And I know this is hard for us in the West, maybe to grasp sometimes, but his kingdom is supernatural. His kingdom is super, supersedes ours. It's greater than ours. We are just a part of it. And he demonstrates this over and over again that he has command over the natural, like every miracle, leprosy, blindness, lameness, withered hands, death, fish in the ocean, storms on the sea. His supernatural kingdom is greater than anything in the natural Nothing can stand against him. He is above all things. I love in Romans, there's this, there's this line against this little, this Romans in 15:19, and it's something that we might miss if we're not reading it carefully. But Paul is talking about his witness. And he says, In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, from Jerusalem and around to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Not I have gone and established churches and taught people to read and taught them truth. 
I have fully preached the gospel through the signs and the wonders and the power of Jesus that follow the preaching of the gospel. That these two things are supposed to always be together. Because you know, it's easy for us to preach the gospel. Ryan can preach the gospel. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Okay. Emma can preach the gospel. Like, sometimes it's challenging, but it's, it's quite easy. But if I say, Ryan, you can raise the dead, and Emma, you can heal the sick, Chloe, you can cast out demons. Like, that stuff's a little bit more icky, isn't it? A little harder, because now it's not just about me, is it? It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus. Like, I can't do that. Only Jesus in me can do that. Now it's not about my brain. It's not about how eloquent I am. It's not about my charisma. It's about how much Jesus is in me and how much faith I have in the power of his name. And how much I believe in the wonder of his name. And that's a little bit more challenging. It's also a bit more risky because it's always up to him. And I, I, if there's one thing tonight I want you to get... Okay, I, I, I want our hearts to be awakened in a new way to the power of the name of Jesus, obviously. Okay? That we actually will believe that. He is powerful. And it's his desire to move. It's his desire to save us. I want us to get that. Will we believe? But the other thing that I really want us to get is that he asks us to be faithful, but the pressure's not on us. He's the one doing the work. Yeah, we have to take risks. We have to step out. But he's the one doing the things, okay? He just asks us to be faithful. He's the one working the works. All right, a couple more scriptures. Luke 10, we get this wonderful story. Jesus sending out the 70. He's already sent out the 12. He tells them to go and heal the sick and declare the kingdom, okay? Signs and gospel together. Signs and gospel. Declare the kingdom, heal the sick. They return saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, which is pretty cool. Do you notice what happens? They go to pray for the sick and they encounter... Darkness, they encounter demons. Okay, that normally happens when the kingdom of God moves. And then Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And then he goes on to talk about other things, okay? But it's such a, it's such a curious phrase. Because he obviously saw it because it doesn't fit into the thing that he says next. It doesn't fit into the story. It doesn't fit into the command he gave them. We know that Satan is finally defeated when Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected. But isn't it amazing that he sees Satan fall like lightning? The thing that makes Satan fall like lightning before the eyes of Christ, as he sees in the supernatural, is men, and maybe women, I'm not sure Bill can help me there, okay? People, humans, being given the Spirit to minister in the power of Jesus' name. That causes Satan to fall. 
How cool is that? Pre-resurrection. And those guys were just delegated some power in the moment by Jesus. That is a poorer delegation than we have post-resurrection, post-Pentecost. We should have more expectation to heal the sick and to come running to Jesus and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're subject to us in your name. Isn't that cool? That promise that we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ above every principality and power as well in Ephesians is made true here in the story. We see it played out. But there is this uh, reality if we don't believe, we won't participate. If we don't believe, it's hard for His Spirit to use us and to move through us. That's where it has to begin with us believing. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir. Maybe all of you are 100% full of faith and belief, and that is awesome. It's probably just me and Sels, you know, just working through this together. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I look at men and women of the faith, and I, you know, I talk about Smith Wigglesworth, who I love, and then Jackie Pullinger, and, you know, People like Bill Johnson, who, you know, just we see God move so powerfully. Um, missionaries in places like Mozambique, and, you know, um, we are, God is just doing crazy things. You hear them speak, they, they, this, they, they believe Jesus. They believe that what he says he actually means. Like, I know that's like obvious, but they just believe it. They believe scripture, they believe beyond their disappointments. And I'm afraid that that's true of all of them. They have suffered. Like not every prayer that they have been, they've prayed has been answered. But they still believe that their role is to expand the kingdom of God and that God is ultimately in control. He is God. He will have his way. He is the one who does the work. But they believe beyond their disappointments. And they continue to see people saved and darkness broken. But I think the thing that, that I see in them, and again, and this is so possibly true of all of us, is they are so captured. They are so captured by the majesty of Jesus. They're so captured by the healing and love of Jesus that they want nothing more than to take him to people. That is their life's greatest joy. I know this man. I know this king. And he's in me. Can I introduce you to him? And all of us are able to do that if we will believe. And if we will surrender to him. All right, I'm going to skip over some stuff here. I wanted to talk about the sons of Sceva. Such a cool story. Okay. Uh, there's also the cool dude who casts out demons who's not a disciple in Jesus' name. Also a cool story. Have to come back to that another time. When we look at the persecution of the church, when Peter and John are called before the religious leaders, again, I know we know this prayer well, but listen again to the response of the disciples, where their focus is. Lord, look on their threats. Grant your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word. 
by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is the cry of the early church. This is the cry of the church that built the church. Father, stretch out your hand in the name of your servant, Jesus. This still has to be our cry. How many of us, when we, we use his name, is it a theological idea? Rather than knowing that we're talking to the one who is our mediator to the Father, the one who prays for us and with us, the one who says, pray in my name, the one who is love and healing, the one who came to break the works of darkness, the one that we know, not just an idea, the king of all kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the I am. This is who we represent. And I know we've talked a lot about humility and surrender, but again, these two things, they're so important because these are the things that bring us into deeper knowledge of Jesus. They bring us into knowing him deeper and in a more real way, a more tangible way that we are we are operating in faith and belief. And we're not just praying to an idea, but we are bringing and we're praying in the name of someone we know. Andrew Murray says this about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the expression of all he has done and all he is and all he lives to do. When I go in Jesus' name, I am taking not only his name, but himself and what he is instead of what I am. And so when, when we live surrendered lives and we, and we live lives of faith and we believe, we take him with us. We're setting ourselves aside. And we can speak in his name and in his power. And I, I don't know if this is the Lord speaking, if this is just my weird printer. But my printer had a, I don't know if you can see, you know printers do these weird things like when you do like a test sheet, but it just printed out one little triangle of a test sheet in the middle of my sermon. And it's a triangle that says important with an arrow. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Isn't that weird? And it points to, <laughs> it points to this idea that we are his bride. And it's time to start living the power of the name of our bridegroom. So that's either HP or it's Jesus Christ. It's like, I think that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so to be naturally supernatural... Let his name rule in our lives. Let his name rule in our lives. So that whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, whoever we're speaking to, we can take that rule with us. And we can take faith in his name with us. And we can take belief in his name with us. And I've, I've asked Richard to come here because I want, I want us to hear from someone new. I want us to be activated in the spirit. And after he's been here, we're going to start talking about how to do this practically. Like, Logan, what does it look like to pray for someone in the, in the food line? What does, it, what does it look like to actually say, Holy Spirit, what are, you, what are you saying about this person today? 
and to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, I think, this, I think the Lord wants to bless you today. So, you know, we just go, we'll talk some practicals. Okay. Can we pray? And then, worship team, do you want to come up? I think we have one more song. Okay. I want us to pray, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray a short prayer of Smith Wigglesworth over you, over myself. So Smith wrote this. If you will see him as God's lamb, as God's beloved son, who had laid upon him the iniquity of us all, if only you will see that Jesus paid the whole price for our redemption, that we might be free, you can enter into your purchased inheritance of salvation, of life, and of power. We ask you, Holy Spirit, will you help us to see? Will you help us to see our Lord and Savior with new eyes, with the eyes of our spirit? Lord, would you reveal Jesus that he's not just an idea, he's not a theological idea that we worship, but he is a person, he is king. He is alive and He is for us. Would you awaken us to believe? Would you awaken a new level of faith in us? Would you awaken in us a delight to see your kingdom come and to see darkness broken in people's lives? And Lord, may this be a joy for us. May it be a joy to seek you and to discover more about you and to see your kingdom come. Lord, I pray not another day will go by where we let fear stop us crying out for more of you. Jesus, we worship you who alone is worthy we praise you, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. Be praised in this place. Be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.